Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC founder and father. Join us for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.jeremyao.com. Hi, Jane. Really excited to have you on the show. You are a founder who's tackling the pet space and really interesting to see your journey to become a founder. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Yep. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Excited to be here as well. Hi, everyone. My name is Jane. So I am one of the co-founders as well as the CEO of Podra. So what Podra does is essentially an online marketplace that connects pet owners to brands to work on different types of jobs like influencer marketing, pet shoot, talent shoots, branded assets, commercials, focus groups, survey, and even vets. So right now, we are based in Singapore, but we do have an office in New York, and we are looking to really expand into the U.S. market um, in the later part of this year and subsequently. Yeah, just a little bit of introduction about myself, about my background. So before I started the company, I was actually in, I've always been interested in marketing, so I did a degree in marketing, but eventually I went into advertising. So I went in, I was a suit. So I was handling like different clients like Tiffany & Co, Qantas. I did some government accounts as well, like Tafet, MCI. But with Singapore, FMCG clients like Borneo Motors and stuff like that. So it was all extremely exciting. And I think it was also at that point of my career that I realized that I really enjoyed just working in a very fast-paced environment. But with advertising, it kind of like got burned out eventually a little bit. So I think three years in, I was kind of like just thinking, okay, what's next? Like, what do I want to do? And I took a short pause, took a break, went into consulting where I was working with the PayPal and Datacom's client on project management with a consulting firm. So that was also the time that I think I differ a lot to social media, mainly like pet accounts just to see cute dogs, cute cats, and I would share all these really cute videos with my then-boyfriend, now husband. One day, the idea just popped up. It was like, why is nobody marrying social media and pets? Because obviously, we love looking at pictures and videos of pets online, advertisers once that I bought an awareness. So why isn't anyone like doing that? So did a quick search, realized that yes, there are people that's doing that in the US, but not really anyone um, doing that in APEC and Southeast Asia. So I just decided, okay, like maybe I can just try and see where it leads me. And this is where I am like three years later. Amazing. Right at the beginning, why did you do marketing? And you obviously went into multiple marketing roles as a manager and executive. So share more about why drew you to marketing. Mm. This was a real life scenario and conversation that I had with a friend. So he was saying that, oh, like, what do you do about marketing? During exams, you can just write nonsense, isn't it? Like just things like common sense, like when it comes to answers. But I think to be really honest, like having been in this field for the past three years, I would say three to five years, 
I, I really like marketing because I feel like it's very fluid to a certain extent. It's not like accounting. It's not whereby, oh, as long as your balance sheet is balanced. There's a lot of different factors that gets into play. The kind of products, the services that you are providing, how the market is actually reacting. And even right now, we always have different tools that are popping out. Like 10 years ago, it was Instagram and now it's TikTok. And we don't know what's going to be like the next cool thing like 10 years later. And with every different generation with the millennials with the Gen Z's like how they establish a relationship with the brand that they purchase from like you know those are things that it's always and ever changing so I think it's really fluid and there's no fixed form and there's just a lot of creativity like there's no fixed parameter that you you have to work within that draws me to marketing as a discipline yeah what is the biggest misconception that people have about marketing for startups from your perspective a lot of people feel that marketing is not like a core with startup a lot of founders they tend to focus a lot on the tech on the product but a lot of them tend to I would think see marketing as an afterthought but for me I think from the very beginning and also maybe because of my background and my interest in this field I feel like branding is extremely important you don't need to have amazing product but the marketing needs to be on point in terms of like resonating with the audiences so take for example like Oatly like I think Oatly is one of my favorite case study like I love their marketing they are so clever with all the things that they come up with is extremely refreshing it catches the eyeball of the audiences and they were able to disrupt legacy kind of like industry with just very fun and very unexpected creative strategies and campaigns and I think at the end of the day if you really were to strip it down it's literally just oat milk like there's nothing like special it's, it's literally just like oat milk and that's why I feel like a lot of founders perhaps that's something that they, they kind of overlook they put so much emphasis but the thing is that even if you have a great product but if nobody knows about it at the end of the day you're back to like point zero. yeah when people think about it as afterthought versus it being in front you know obviously there are big trade-offs in terms of timing as well as resources let alone results what would you say is the right balance or how do you balance that yourself I think here with Podger, one of our main values is to always remain hackished. So how do we stay hackished? And that's obviously something that was extremely important for us in the beginning of the days when we were bootstrapping and we didn't have enough people or money to do huge marketing like your big MNCs. So I would say it's not about spending six digits on Google Ads or going with traditional channels like Facebook marketing or like Instagram marketing just because everyone else is doing it but really recognizing like what works for your brand so take for example in the early days when we had no money but we realized that because of whatever that we are building word of mouth was extremely pivotal for us in terms of like growth so on our Instagram initially we were just reposting pictures of like famous pets like your grumpy cat like your hedgehog but it didn't really work because Everybody knew who they were, but there was no like real connection with our audiences, which back then was the Singapore Pets uh, community. So what we did then and changed was actually to repost and celebrate our own influences. So we would repost like pictures of cats or dogs that have worked with us on campaigns, 
we would celebrate them. We would have a very short snapshot to introduce them, almost like an employee kind of thing. That really worked. So that was kind of the spark of everything and how people started talking about the company, how you can actually find campaigns through Hodra. I mean, like literally we didn't spend any money. I mean, like people were just talking about us like organically. We're not paying them. It was all just free like PR value, looking and recognizing like what would work for your company rather than just following trends. At the same time, you know, you need to manage your budget as well, like not to overspend on marketing. Yeah. Mm. Well, how did you decide to become a founder? Because you started talking about Podra and all that learnings. When did you decide to say, I want to build my business on my own? Okay, so the fun thing or the ironic thing is that I've always thought that I was going to be in MNC. I always thought like, okay, I'm just going to be a career like woman. I'm going to climb the career ladder. So I, I set goals for myself. I was like, okay, I need to be a manager by the age of 25. And I need to achieve like these milestones in my career. So I've never really thought about starting a business, to be very honest. So tumbling into this entire like Podra thing, it's really by accident. It's really just me asking my husband, like, hey, do you think it will work? And he was like, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I think at that point of time, we were like 26 or 27 years old. So he was like, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, we could probably just lose our capital, which I think at that point of time was $600. Or it was definitely less than 1000 And if it didn't work, then we would just go back to working. There was no real loss because we didn't have huge financial liabilities at that point of time. So I think it was really just by coincidence. And I guess like this is something that I have mentioned on like quite a bit of interviews, but it was also like this friend of mine, he, he was just saying that, oh, you're more capable than you think you are. And I think that was really kind of the spark that made me decide that, hey, you know, like, let's just try and give it a go and see where it leads me to. And how did you get into it? Because I know that you went into Antler, which is an entrepreneurship program. Did you go in already having built something and you already knew what you wanted to do? What was the right format for you? Mm. Okay, so like kind of like just to break it down. So I think like in the beginning, right, Podra wasn't called Podra. We were called the Wolf Agency, which essentially doing what we were doing. But because of my background in the agencies sector, I kind of like just transferred the skills that I learned there over. So we were operating very much like an agency. And I think we came to a point whereby all the three co-founders came together and asked if we wanted to build a lifestyle business or we feel like there's a lot more opportunity out there to disrupt this entire industry. I think the opportunity is huge. Let's not just stay within Singapore, let's really look at the global level. So that's when we decided to go into Antler. So we applied with the Wolf Agency. At that point of time, we were already revenue generating. So I believe that was one of the main reasons why we got in because everyone there is so talented with such a rich work experience. So I think if I apply for a individual, I probably wouldn't get in. So thank God for Wolf Agency. So we got in as Wolf Agency. And I think when we presented on Demo Day, like Podro wasn't the current Podro. We presented as a trust pilot because during our conversations with brands and pet owners, we realized that there's a lot of disconnection between reviews, online reviews when it comes to different products and services. And there's really no go-to source when it comes to understanding whether if a product works or doesn't work. So that was kind of like what we were aiming for, like trust pilot for pet products and services. We did that for like maybe about eight months. It didn't work. So there were a lot of complications. There were a lot of, a lot of challenges. And eventually the only thing that remained 
and was still constantly attracting clients and influencers and pet owners to join us was really this like entire jobs thing, which it was the wolf agency thing and all. So what we did is that we actually kind of like pivoted and really just focused on this aspect of thing that was getting in all the money and putting food on our table. And we tried to productivize it instead of just continuing as an agency. And that's kind of just a flow of the entire timeline. As you thought about doing that, what were some things that you learned about being a founder that you didn't know before? I think for sure, I always thought my job was stressful back in advertising. But being a founder is worse. There are so many days where I'm just thinking I'm stupid and like I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Maybe if I had just stayed in corporate and I could be earning more money or at least going for dinners and ending work at seven. I think it's really the mental health thing, the entire stress and coping with it. I think to make it even more challenging, one of my co-founder is my husband. So literally my marriage is also at stakes, right? So I think like during the time which was in 2020, during second half of the year, when we're doing all this pivot, we're trying a lot of things to make the old podro work. There were a lot of arguments. There were a lot of nights whereby we would just spend arguing about like how we want to bring the company forward. He's extremely finance like driven. So it's all about like how do we spend each dollar in a very controlled manner as well because we, we didn't raise any fund other than the antler 100k. So we were also bootstrapping to a certain extent. And for me it was really like hey we need to let the experiment space to breathe and grow. Like we, we don't cannot expect immediate results. So so I think there were a lot of arguments and he burnt out. I thought that was very real because another thing is also that I cannot complain to anybody about my job when you're not working on the same thing as your husband. You can go back home and you can complain to him that, hey, my finance or my colleague was being a bitch today. But I can't do that because he was the one that was being a bitch to me during work hours. So I think that was very real, having a real having a support system. I think the media tend to over-glamorize the entire like startup founder because they would portray people like Elon Musk, like Bill Gates, or like Jeff Bezos, and they're living in luxurious lifestyle. They're everywhere. I think these are like, I don't know, like maybe the 0.001%. I think it's basically like not as glamorized as what the media like portrayed it as. La. So now that I'm a founder myself, I, I kind of like see the truth, reality versus like expectation. It's interesting because you mentioned about working with your spouse, which is actually pretty common both in America and in Southeast Asia especially as well. Any advice you have for people who are thinking about working with their spouse or partner? <laughs> I mean, I probably need some advice myself, but I guess something that really worked for us is to always think in the best interest of the company. So not to bring any personal feelings into the conversation. I think for both of us, we ENTJs, so I would say that we are pretty... I hope, like logical to a certain extent. So whenever there's a disagreement, like what we will do is really just to lay down our case. Why do we support this? Why do we not support this? And from there, we come to a conclusion that obviously sometimes like not everyone is happy about the end result, but it needs to be like, everyone needs to make peace with the end decision and don't be emotional. Don't bring like personal like stuff into the entire conversation. And after it's done, just leave it at the office. Don't bring it home. 
yeah, I, I would say that. And obviously, like an advice from Jeremy yourself is to go on date nights. We have been doing that and it has been extremely helpful. So I would say really just, just passing on the wisdom, which is to reserve a day in a month to just go on date night and just enjoy yourself. Don't talk about work and just be present. Yeah. You made me forget that I did. <laughs> I had recommended keeping date nights. <laughs> 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 important. Yeah. It is extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting also you mentioned is you said, oh, we're both ENTJs. So for those who don't know, it's Myers Briggs personality. So you're saying you're extroverted, you're intuitive, you're thinking, you're judging. How do you think about personality? Do you believe that certain personalities that are better for founders? Or do you have to adapt your founder lifestyle? to be more fitting to your personality type? That's a really great question. I think from a personal perspective, I feel like there are certain personalities that are really suited to be founders because sometimes you have to do the right thing and not the popular thing. So, for example, there's definitely going to be conflict. There's going to be employees who are not happy with certain decisions that were made by the business, by the company. Some of them are going to be extremely vocal about it. Some people are just going to be passive and just burnt out like at the back and you kind of like need to know what's happening so I think if let's say by nature you're not confrontational so if let's say you're not confrontational by nature you tend to avoid conflict I wouldn't say it's impossible but I would say it would be probably a lot more challenging for you when such circumstances like arise and I think maybe that's also one of the reasons why for us between the three co-founders I'm the one that's the most intense so I can be very aggressive and very vocal about what I want. And with my CTO and with the CFO, which is my husband, like they tend to be a little bit more on the background and a little bit more introverted for the for the CTO. He's extremely nice, good natured, and he's very approachable as well. So I guess that's where like the magic of like finding the right co-founders like come into play because you can't be like win it all you can't be great in everything so like having different people like managing different aspects of the business I think that would be extremely helpful but that being said I guess eventually with your business at stake I would think that a lot of CEOs would actually morph or change their personality because if not your startup will die so I guess it's really about balancing and as you grow with the startup you evolve as a person as well how do you think about that balance between working as co-founders, servicing multiple you know, categories and geographies? How do you recommend people think about working as co-founders? Mm. I think for us, we sat down. So this was actually an advice by one of our Antler mentor, Winnie. So she said that just sit down. When you have money, you quarrel a lot. So like you need to settle and trash everything out when you have no money, like before you raise any funds. So it's really about sitting down and trashing out and understanding what's like the no-go zone. What are like the taboo topics that you shouldn't even talk about for each of the founders? Understanding the motivations behind starting a business together. Is it about money? Is it about really trying to create a product that benefit like the greater good? Or is it really just enjoying the process? What are the non-negotiables, like the deal breakers, like, you know, at any point of time, if let's say I were to lose control of a certain aspect when it comes to the final decision making, that would be a deal breaker for me and I would lose motivation to continue to work in the startup. I think really just like sitting down, having an extremely like honest conversation about why you want to be in this and what you want to get out of it. 
and be very honest. I think with my co-founders, I guess because I'm the talkative one, like I'm the vocal one, so I'll always be like, hey guys, let's just talk about it. Why are we like, what's happening? This is not working. Let's sit down together and just problem solve. I think I would like to think of me as a problem solver. I don't like to like just leave things as it is because I feel like it would just snowball eventually. So I just like to get things done, settle like all the any conflicts or whatever that I feel it's going to brew immediately. So I guess like that is something that I would advise to friends who are thinking of starting a business together and really just to solve problems like immediately and don't let it just harnessed yeah, into something bigger. How do you set that vision of something bigger from your perspective? I think because we are only human, so everyone would have emotions and you don't want there to be like, I guess like negative feelings towards a scenario. So I think like, obviously, I think if we hasn't really come in to talk about it and be like, hey, it is an emergency, we need to talk about it immediately, I would have assumed that it would snowball into something bigger and, you know, there would be a significant impact on our co-founders' like relationship, on the business and even on my own marriage. So I thought like, yeah, that was definitely a lesson learned as a founder, as a wife, as an individual, yeah. One interesting thing is, of course, your decision to not only build this, but also keep growing. What would you say have been some brave times along the way? I guess starting this business is, I think for me, like it was a brave decision. It wasn't a natural decision, like to cut off my income stability. So I think in the beginning, when I started the Wolf Agency, I didn't jump into it full time. So I was doing it almost like a side hustle and to make sure that it was at least able to pay my bill. So just backpedaling a little, I came from a low income family. So I think from a very young age, I was already working and paying for my school bills and I couldn't afford to go for overseas trips with my schools because I couldn't afford to pay for the flights and stuff. So I think from a very young age, I started to understand like the importance of being, I guess to a certain extent, like having financial like freedom or having money like, in a sense. So I think back then I took a pay cut of almost like 50%. It was a very low like salary that I took uh, when we were starting out this company and just having that and I was still giving allowance to my parents, paying for my parents like insurance and I have all this like financial obligations. So I think that was something like looking back, I'm not sure if I can do it again. Maybe back then I was young, foolish and I was like, okay, I, I have nothing, no financial obligations, like let's just do it. But now that I'm turning 30, there's a lot of things that starting into as a house and maybe in the future like family and seeing your peers getting, you know, like salary increment each year, getting promoted, going on holidays, buying expensive stuff. I think like there's always this basis of comparison of, oh, I wish I could afford such a lifestyle. But the startup is unable to afford, obviously, such a lifestyle at this stage. So I would think that is one of the bravest decisions that I have made in my life. Yeah, definitely very brave. And I think it kind of goes back to that gap between expectations. Like coming in, you're like, trade-offs seem low and the upside seems large. And then when you become a founder, then you realize the trade-offs are very real, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> How do you give advice to people who want to be founders now? Because I'm sure other people around you are like, hey, I want to be a founder one day. I would like to join the Endler program. I would like to be a creator. What advice would you give them? 
for anyone who is looking to start a business, obviously depending on what age like are you at, but if let's say like you are like, you know, you have you already have a family and all, I think having or getting the support from your family member is extremely important. Especially if let's say you're married. Because I, I think a lot of people like underestimated the pressure on the spouse when someone decides to start a business. You're gonna be like in this like startup maybe for the next five to ten years. All you can think about is the startup. You're not gonna be present in a lot of important like events, like anniversaries or birthday. Maybe there's gonna be a crisis and you need to say, sorry, I need to cancel like that Switzerland holiday and I can't go with you and your kids. And that's crazy. Like in terms of the pressure, that's on the spouse because he or she didn't sign up for this package but they are almost like they are in this together so I feel like having the support from your spouse or just like your family members like your parents like they understanding you're going to give this a shot and they should support you instead of being negative and say what are you doing with your life I don't know like what you're doing this every day you're dressed in just shorts and t-shirts and running around and I didn't pay you to go university to do this thing and earn like you know one to two k a month I mean this really brings you down like in terms of the morale so having a support system is extremely important if you are going to start a startup I think that would be one of the advice it's about like being a creator then I guess it's really about finding your unique voice it's not about having I guess in this circumstance and parameter like we are talking about pets it's not having like the most expensive like breed. It's not about having like the most beautiful dog or cat. But it's about finding that unique voice online. Because I think these days like people want to feel connected like beyond the screen. Like they want to know that there's a human behind like the accounts that are being run. They want to understand like the pet on a deeper level. It's not just about beautiful or fun or cute like videos and photos. So I think a lot of our larger influencers that have found success online like they really managed to pinpoint exactly what's their unique voice what's the unique selling point I would say of their pet and really just like amplifying that so yeah I guess this would just be like some humble suggestions from myself yeah how would you think about dealing with family views so you mentioned about sometimes it can be negative sometimes it can be helpful Obviously, if it's helpful, then everything's great, right? Yeah. But how would you advise people to think about dealing with like negative family comments? Should they compartmentalize that? <laughs> Should they just avoid it? Mm, I think it depends on how close you are with the family member. I mean, obviously, if it's just a distance relative, like you can just shut that off. It doesn't matter like what they think or what they feel. But if let's say it's your spouse, like immediate family member, like your parents, maybe you want to have a very real conversation with them. And I think at the same time, you know, depending on what's the age that you are at, being very realistic with the opportunity of the startup that you're building. So if let's say you have been doing this for five years, for eight years, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, maybe it's time to really just time box this entire like, experiment and be like, okay, like after this year, if I don't hit a certain milestone and I still can't afford to pay for my rent, I just have to stop. I think like being a founder is also about having the courage to know that it's not working out. Like admitting that, okay, like this didn't work out and I need to move on to the next thing. I think it takes a lot, a lot of courage to actually admit that, especially as founders, when we build a startup, it's almost like our baby and just admitting to the world that it didn't work out, I need to shut it down. It gets very personal. 
I think it's really about time boxing and having a real conversation with the family member as well. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'd love to paraphrase the three big themes I got from this. The first is thank you so much for taking time to share about marketing misconceptions, about how you chose to enter marketing yourself, but also the myths about how important marketing is for various startups versus product and engineering. And I think you shared some good tips on how to balance between all the various dimensions. The second is thanks for sharing about your spouse as a founder, which is a common situation for many founders across the world. So thanks for sharing, I think, the real world behind the scenes and also what the right dynamic is to share the right language and how to resolve the issues over time because marriages aren't easy, relationships aren't easy, humans aren't easy, and startups definitely are not easy. And so all of that stacked up can be quite interesting. So thanks for sharing about that. Lastly, thanks for sharing about the aspect around family support, about how you should be treating advice from other folks as well as other people in the space and how to time box your time and be able to keep your head down and do the work that's in front of you. So thank you so much, Jane, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave.